Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. Happiness. A reading by Glessner Clark that was featured in a song from the musical, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Happiness is finding a pencil. Pizza with sausage. Telling the time. Happiness is learning to whistle. Tying your shoe for the very first time. Happiness. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Makarios. That's the word that gets all the attention in the Beatitudes, makarios. It's the Greek word that appears nine times in as many verses. And it means blessed, fortunate is, happiness. In fact, one translation of the word makarios puts it this way. True happiness is. So what is it that it said in the song from that Charlie Brown musical that happiness is? Happiness is learning a secret. That happiness is two kinds of ice cream getting along. Oh, for me, happiness is an NC State championship in, well, anything. Happiness is... 100 billion snowflakes. Happiness is a walk at dusk in the Scottish Highlands with my wife. How about you? How would you define happiness? Jesus establishes his ministry by talking about happiness. Literally, who in his kingdom will be happy? The good news is a proclamation that his hearers will belong to the kingdom of God, that will be comforted, that will inherit the earth, that will be filled to the brim, experience mercy and forgiveness, that will see God and be called children of God. Now, (laughs) that's happiness. But in the world that we live in, Each of these blessings, these bits of happiness, don't they seem to belong to those who have earned it somehow? Who gets the kingdom of heaven? Well, in our setting, those who get the kingdom of heaven are those who've taken it by force, with knives and with drones and with armies. Who in our context will be comforted? Well, it's those with deep pockets and full bank accounts, right? 
How about those who will inherit the earth? In my opinion, it's the shrewd investors, right? How about those who get all that they want or desire? When I look at the headlines, it's the rich and the famous and thieves. And how about those who receive mercy or forgiveness? Well, when I look out at the world, it's those who have lots of resources and a good fallback plan. Those who will see God? Well, it's those with the right connections, of course, and the children of God? Well, that's certainly only for a very select few. So clearly, Jesus is wrong, or at least naive. He seemingly doesn't know how the world works, does he? Jesus' good news sounds tone deaf to the way in which the world really is. Everyone knows that happiness and blessing come from our own hands and with our own credit cards and by our own design. And that is precisely why Jesus' announcement was considered such good news to those who are down and out. Because of Jesus, it's the poor. It's the downtrodden, the terrified and the grieving who will experience a turnaround or true happiness. The kingdom of God turns everything upside down. Jesus prophesies that God redeems the hard places. And we rejoice, don't we? Because Jesus looks out at the world and says, yeah, that's not how my kingdom is at all. In verse 9 of these Beatitudes, we zero in and give our attention to one particular blessing that has much to do with walking in the way of peace. Of course, that's our theme here at First Baptist Church this year, to walk in the way of peace. We've learned by studying Scripture that this is God's desire that we see this from the very beginning, that God wants us to walk in the way of peace. So we look closely at that familiar verse. Verse 9. Blessed, literally, happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemaking is what comes center stage. Now, when Jesus talks about peace here, he's referring to the concept of shalom, one that we have touched on here even in worship. It means peace, yes, but shalom means more than that. It means more than just the absence of violence or discord or conflict. Shalom means completeness. It means wholeness. It means wellness inside and out. It's derived from a root that literally means to be sound. It's a word reserved for those who walk with God in a positive relationship. And y'all, isn't that what we're all hungry for right now? I'm not just talking about world events. I'm not talking about a sick election cycle. I'm not talking about the six months of a pandemic globally. I'm talking about 
the contours of our own hearts and our minds, isn't that what we want? That kind of peace and shalom where we're not riddled with anxiety and fear and grief, but rather a sense that inexplicably we can stand up strong because God gives us the wherewithal to be okay in the midst of a world that's not okay. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Jesus is not talking about peacekeeping or keeping the peace. Because the truth is, and this may be hard to hear, but there can be a lot of injustice and violence that accompany peacekeeping. Keeping the peace can mean perpetuating a corrupt system. Keeping the peace can mean suppressing dissent. Keeping the peace can mean championing a status quo that keeps voices silent and keeps people in their places. Oh, y'all, hear me clearly. I think at our best, we want to keep the peace, especially when it's in our best interest. But here's a hidden truth. Peacekeeping is what we want to do when we are just fine. Thank you very much. But that's not who will be called children of God. That title is reserved for peacemakers. A peacemaker is one who actively pursues shalom, that is, wholeness and wellness for all, not just for yourself. A peacemaker is one who actively pursues shalom for any and for all. A peacemaker works for peace in all things and for all people. So how is peace made? Peace is made when we resist the temptation to withdraw and when we choose to engage in community life. So peacemaking means showing up. It means showing up in congregational life and in faith development. Peacemaking means being a part of a community. It means choosing to engage in a world even with its corruptions and heartache. Peace is made when we're empathetic to those who are hurting. Peace cannot be made when we're blind or deaf. That's not peacemaking. Peace is made when, when we say we're sorry. Peace is made when we repent. And of course, in this context, peacemaking means facilitating reconciliation. I mean, of all the things that the church should be good at, shouldn't it be reconciliation? 
It wasn't so long ago, y'all, but it was the church that was the foundation for the civil rights movement. It's been the church and the message of liberation that has given words and courage to those of us who have championed equal rights and treating one another fairly and in love. If you're bristling brothers and sisters, we've got to ask ourselves if we're seeking to keep the peace or to make peace. Peacemaking is not the responsibility of leaders or politicians or even ministers. Y'all, if we want to be children of God, peacemaking is central to our identity. I like how one translation renders verse 9. It says, Blessed are those who make men friends with each other. Isn't that good? Blessed are those who make men friends with each other. I recently saw a movie online. It's called The Two Popes. I'm not an expert in um, Roman Catholicism. But the story is inspired by true events about a conservative church leader, the Pope, that served for eight years before resigning. It's a bit unprecedented and unusual. But the movie is about what happens in a couple of days with this conservative Pope who is absolutely at odds with a cardinal who's come to him to resign, and for good reason. They don't see eye to eye on anything. The, the Catholic Church is, gosh, full of conflict. Politics warring on either side. And understandably, this cardinal, who's much more progressive, wants to call it quits. Wants to withdraw. And <laughs> isn't that tempting? I mean, isn't that a desire we all feel that when when there are differences among us, we just want to withdraw, pull out, quit. Well, that's what this cardinal wants to do. The conservative pope, however, doesn't want to allow this cardinal to do that. And why? Because as we find out with the tenaciousness that that conservative pope brings to their relationship that really didn't exist at all, in the span of just two days, we find that the Pope, the conservative leader that has very little to do with this cardinal, sees that it is in the church's best interest for these two individuals to become friends with one another and more than just in interpersonal ways. So it's a beautiful story and depiction of friendship. Oh, it's awkward. These two men should not be friends. And you find out firsthand why that's the case. They have great differences. They see the world very differently. They see the church very differently. They argue and fight together. You wonder, even in watching this, why they'd even bother. And why? It's because that they see that making peace means becoming friends with one another. Practicing friendship means making peace. It means choosing to walk alongside one another. 
And just as we see in that movie, there are moments of confession, of truth-telling, of honesty, of hurt and assurances of pardon, of joy and laughter, and how it can happen because the kingdom of God demonstrates shalom for any and for all because of a God who loves us enough to come and to walk alongside us, a God who wishes to be friends with us and teaching us and showing us firsthand what that looks like. Peacemaking is what God does. So it shouldn't surprise us at all that when we do that, we'll be called children of God. Literally, heirs of God. Y'all, you'll, you'll look into your homework on this passage, I hope, and you'll find that there are a variety of places where God goes on the record and says they will be like children of God. It's like a metaphor, right? Not here. It's the peacemakers who are not like children of God. They are children of God. Peacemakers who are like God are God's heirs. And don't you want to be called children of God at the last day? It's in God's very nature to make peace with his creation and with this world. I mean, y'all, again, it must be said, God's constantly trying to make up with us. <laughs> Our God is a pursuing God. Read the Old Testament. God makes promises, and he keeps them, but we break them. Still, God pursues us reaches out to us, loves us when we're unlovable, when we're disobedient, when we are mean and hateful and idolatrous. God continues to make peace with us. It's what God does. To know God means to know one who wishes to make peace with us. And for Jesus... For Jesus, peacemaking is not merely a change of circumstances, but rather a change of heart. My dad was a peacekeeper. God love him. <laughs> My dad was driven by a desire to keep the peace at work, and at church, and at home. He adopted in his life a kind of, why can't we all just get along? A dad's intentions were good. They were. But his efforts, like most peacekeepers, were often ineffective because they didn't address the underlying issues. That's the work of justice, which I might add is something else we're called to do. Peacemaking and justice are one and the same. But how do we get there? How do we move from simply keeping the peace to making peace? Perhaps, perhaps the first step in becoming 
peacemakers is to become dissatisfied with keeping a peace. That's not really peaceful. Perhaps. Let us pray. God, keep us from being content with just keeping the peace. Because when we do that, God, we're not being like you. We're just avoiding conflict. A conflict and a conversation that we may need to have. A conversation we may need to have in love. But the truth is, God, we, we can't have that conversation collectively, especially if we're not friends. And if we don't trust one another. And so we pray, God, that you might create in us a growing discontent with peacekeeping. Because what we're living out right now, God, is not peace. So help us not be okay with it. Help us to learn from you, God. So that in walking humbly and peacefully with you, we might know how to walk with others, to make friends of enemies, to love those whom we do not love, and to trust that you are at work to redeem it all, especially to those who are willing to show up to do it. For it's in Jesus, the peacemaker, that we pray these things. Amen. In these next few moments, I pray that you will allow Jesus' words to ring in your heart and your mind and to consider what it might mean in your family life, your life at work, your work at the church and beyond. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called children of God. And to those who feel called to follow the great peacemaker, Christ Jesus, and be baptized in his name, I invite you also to come. I'll be down front. The invitation is here. How you choose to use this time, well, that belongs to you.
thank you for seeing us. And we're grateful to see you, and we do see you. Thank you for joining us, for being present with us. We're scattered, yes. But in a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity outside in what is turning out to be a spectacular weekend in our mountains to, to see one another and to be seen, to be heard, to connect, to be reintroduced, to celebrate, to get updates and to get news. For those who have tuned in, thank you for seeing us. Please hear us when we say in love that we want to see you. We're going to create a way that we hope that you might be able to be in a place where we can see you. And that's this coming Wednesday. We are going to have a midweek gathering again this fall. And it's going to start this Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. We're calling it Love Your Neighbor Takeout. What does that mean? It means we want you to love your neighbor by giving your neighbor business. Find your favorite restaurant, um, about 5 or 5.15, go and grab something to eat, a burger, a takeout meal. We've got great places to eat, even here on Main Street and Silva and beyond. Love them by giving them your business, grabbing the takeout, and coming to the back of our church where you will find in our covered walkway between the Mission and Fellowship Center and our education space, and underneath that alcove area where you can pull up when it's raining, we're going to have tables set up. There'll be chairs out there as well. We're going to have a portion of that little area of the parking lot blocked off. And why? So that we can gather together outside and for table fellowship, to wave at one another, to catch up, to see one another's smiles. And at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a prayer time together and a Bible lesson as we look intergenerationally, children, teenagers, adults and senior adults all together for about half an hour, we're going to hear good news. And particularly in September, we're going to be looking at Paul's letter to the church in Philippi that you and I know of as Philippians. It's a great word of encouragement. And we hope that you'll choose to join us so that we can see one another and be peacemakers in our desire and in our faithfulness to be friends to one another. So we look forward to seeing you and being seen this Wednesday, beginning at 5.30. We also ask for your continued prayers for our Study Buddies program. We are in our fourth week. It's remote learning completely 100%, but a week from tomorrow, the school board has decided that we will go to an alternating schedule. What does that mean? It means that there is still a need for Study Buddies. Although all children will be remote on Wednesday, there will be alternating schedules. And so it's very important that we continue to provide a way for families to continue to get the kind of care that they need to be able to be engaged at work for their children, to be able to get work done and to socialize, to eat lunch together, to, to play together and to pray together. Because at the end of every day, we have a Bible story time in here. This is a partnership with us, the Methodist Church. They're sending leadership down here to be good um, partners in ministry, in volunteering, but also in leading the Bible story. This is what we should be doing. 
And we are. And because of your support and your engagement with us, we're able to provide this important ministry when it's not being provided in other ways. And for that, I'm so very grateful for First Baptist Church and for your willingness to do that which is hard and frankly risky. And of course, we pray for God's blessing and protection upon us going forward. Because it is hard and it is scary. And it would be easier to just be a church of shut-ins, but that's not what we're called to be. We're called to be engaged, salt of the earth and light of the world for as long as God gives us breath. This is good news, not only for us, but for the world around us. So thank you for choosing to be engaged. Thank you for lingering here in just a few moments so we can connect with you. And thank you also for your financial gifts. Our offering plates are here at the doors, and many of you all choose to give online or drop it off in our church office. You can find us and uh, uh, many more bits of information at firstbaptistsilva.com. Thank you for continuing to be church. We're moving into a new season, and we want you alongside us. Brothers and sisters, guests and newcomers and friends, let's stand together.